and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coronation.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Mahachko. With me, as always, Mr. Todd Wolverton. Hello, Todd. Good evening, Greg. How are you today? Peachy keen, jelly bean, except for the fact I feel like I'm going to die. Well, maybe... Uh... There's something going around because apparently our beloved leader is close to that as well. Yeah, John reached out saying uh, he was not going to be available. had a, had a long day and is is uh, not feeling great. Mine started just about an hour ago when I was sitting in my chair doing some work, and maybe it was the way I was sitting or what, but like my felt like my right shoulder or or shoulder blade in my back was starting to feel sore so i shifted now my chest hurts it kind of feels weird so that's fun yeah um, i know exactly what you're talking about little muscle that pulls from front to back or back to front and yeah like, yeah growing old's not for the week boys and girls it's not for the week. <laughs> it sure isn't <laughs> so uh well as we're recording this uh it is what is kind of a, a, a holiday to uh, a large uh, group of, of sports fans. A lot of people like opening day for Major League Baseball, but if you side more with professional football, then you might be a fan of the NFL draft, and that's what's going on tonight, Todd. And, and we were talking briefly about, uh, you know, I was kind of shocked to see that at least, uh, you know, in the first half a dozen or so picks, a lot of – uh, linemen, both offensive and defensive linemen. Yeah, it seems like uh, that's kind of the trend right now. Um, you know, you know, the, the first pick in the draft was a defensive lineman. And just a quick count here, you know, it looks like one, two. Well, the top two picks were defensive linemen. And, uh, you know, then the fifth pick was a defensive lineman. So there's three, two tackles, that's five. Another tackle, that's six. Uh, defensive tackle, that's seven. A guard, eight. A guard, nine. And uh, another tackle. So 10 out of the first 19 uh, picks in the draft are, are, in fact, linemen. So, well, you know, they always say, got to win in the trenches. It starts up front, you know, all those cliches. And if uh, – if you can't make it happen up there, uh, the chances of success are pretty limited. And you made a comment before we started rolling sound here. Uh, you said that, you know, quote, unquote, to no surprise, Alabama, Georgia, you know, some of those uh, teams have, you know, put a couple of players in, in the first round here. Yeah, it, it looks like, you know, the, the usual suspects have uh, players getting drafted. At one point, you know, early on, two Ohio State uh, receivers were drafted back to back. And um, I think Nebraska fans can attest, um, yeah, they have some pretty good receivers. <laughs> yeah. <State>. yeah. <laughs> uh, I will not miss Chris Olave at all. He, you know, he, and he went after the other one. I can't uh, think Garrett of the other Wilson. guy, Garrett Wilson. But Man, Olavi, it seemed like every time the ball was in his hands, you know, something exciting happened. Um, yeah, he's a player. It'll be interesting to see what kind of a career he has in the NFL. I, I noticed, you know, after ooh, Steelers, the pick is in. Finally, it gets to a good team. Um, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll wait and see what that is. Uh, <laughs> but um, 
No, it, it you meant you mentioned, you know, that Alabama, Georgia, you know, several teams, Ohio State has put a couple teams in already. I mean, uh, the Saints picked a tackle from Northern Iowa. So that's yeah. kind of interesting. But I, I was going to say, you, you shouldn't be able to. <laughs> this is going to be ridiculous. I apologize to everybody that I'm even wasting breath for it and wasting time. But uh, it, Alabama shouldn't be able to put two players, you know, have, have two players drafted until everybody, all the, the power five schools get, get a player <laughs> drafted. <laughs> so, so that's a new rule. You know, the really, really good teams, you can't draft those players until everybody else gets a player drafted. Yeah. You know what? It would, it would, it would shake things up a little bit, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, because now you can't just go after, you know, the, you're like, oh, crap, somebody already picked from Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, whomever, you know. Uh, all right, well, let's see what Oregon State has to offer, you know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, yeah. Who does Oregon State have that, that uh, we'd like to draft? Well, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, kid from uh, uh, UNI, uh, another offensive tackle. Trevor uh, Penning, yes, sir. Trevor Penning. I, that's the second uh, offensive lineman that has been drafted from UNI, I think in the last two years, uh, I believe there is a, there's a UNI grad that played for the Buffalo bills. Um, maybe if it, if it wasn't last year, it was the year before it hasn't, hasn't been that long uh, from the small town of Lenox, Iowa. Okay. In fact, Lenox, Iowa is uh, a smidge South and West of Creston, Iowa, where I was once the principal. But, um, Speaking of Buffalo, uh, the Bills, uh, obviously their quarterback is Jake Allen, and he played at Wyoming and and uh, didn't fare too well against Pittsburgh goes quarterback. Very interesting. Very interesting that the Steelers pick Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. Out of who, Pittsburgh. Who, who by the way, uh, was a, a you know, a a player under Mark Whipple who coached Ben Roethlisberger at the beginning of his professional career. So that is very, wow. Very interesting. Goodbye, Mason Rudolph. (laughs) Heard some pundits earlier today talking about, they thought this could be the first time since like 1996 that a quarterback did not go in the first round. And uh, the first quarterback to go in 1996 was, in fact, Tony Banks, who went 44th in the second round from the University of Iowa. That's right. To Baltimore, I believe, right? I couldn't tell you. I didn't give a rat's ass about anybody from Iowa. (laughs) I think it was Baltimore. Um, Very interesting that uh, uh, it took to the 20th pick for – a quarterback to be selected because it used to be. And, and I guess that oh. show goes to show that this year, the quarterback class was not as strong, certainly, you know, um, yeah. but so anyway, uh, going back to Jake Allen, uh, as I mentioned, played his college ball at Wyoming um, and had a big, you know, has a big arm. I just remember I'll, I'll share it with 
buddies of mine every time I see it, you know, the, the clip of when he got uh, intercepted by Nate Gary hit there at Memorial Stadium. And then Gary, you know, goes and hands the ball back to him and Allen like pushes it at his back uh, and, and drew the foul or drew the penalty. So, um, yeah, just uh, you wonder what I, I don't know, maybe. You know, we, we talk about like a Joe Burrow and he wouldn't have been Joe Burrow if he landed in Lincoln. Jake Allen, what would he have looked like in Nebraska at that time? Um, you know, when I don't know, we maybe had a few pieces. I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly the years. I think it was tail end Bo Pelini, front part of Mike Riley. Um, I'd have to look. I mean, I know Allen's been in the league for a few years now, so I don't think it's been. I don't think it's been eight years that he's been in the league, but um, you know, it would have been would have been interesting to you know to, to ponder that what if scenario. Yeah, you know, it's uh, over the years. It's kind of interesting how Nebraska has run into um, you know some conference, excuse me, some quarterbacks in their non-conference part of the season you know, that have gone on and have had successful careers. Um, you know, uh, Jake Allen's one example. I, God, don't hold me to all this, but um, I, I know they, I think they played, uh, oh, now is his, um, God, from Central Florida, uh, Duante uh, Culpepper. Mm. Yeah, am I saying that right? Dante Don, Dante Culpepper. Yep, I think, I think he played against Nebraska when he was in college. Uh, there was a quarterback from one of the Louisiana schools named uh, Rate or uh, uh, again, I can't, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't even have brought this up, but it seems like some of those, um, (laughs) those uh, mid-major types that went on and, and, you know, had some time uh, in the NFL. Um, Nebraska fans had a chance to watch them play. I, I feel like, you know, when you have, that level, you know, like that, that size school, that, that level, be it, you know, Wyoming, which is division one or, 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 or I'm sorry, FC, FBS, um, you know, level, but not a power five conference um, and, or a UCF that's, you know, similar uh, or one of the, you know, smaller, like there's a smaller spotlight on them. They're maybe not anticipated to play three seasons and, and go pro, you know, they have a little bit more time to perhaps mature, develop. Their, uh, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't poo on me, you know, or anything like that. But I, I'll, I bring up Ben Roethlisberger again. He went to uh, uh, Miami of Ohio. You know, it's not, right. it's, it's not a, it, and, and that's just one of, you know, you, you rattled off a few names, you know, there a few minutes ago, like you're going to get quarterback, quality quarterbacks. Um, well, here's one for you, Kurt Warner. You, you know, absolutely. <laughs> his, his you story, and I. right? <laughs> uh, you know, his, his story is, is something else. But, but uh, they're not all necessarily coming from, you know, like the the Ohio states or or the Alabamas, and and certainly in the '90s with all the success that Nebraska had, they weren't a quarterback factory. Correct. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it, no, I realize you know the game is much different now than it was. 30 years ago. So 25 years ago, even 20 years ago. Do you find it interesting? I know you mentioned at the outset how, you know, for some people, this is kind of like a holiday. And by the way, tomorrow is officially a holiday in the state of Nebraska. It is in fact, Arbor Day. 
And uh, I thought that was last week. No, tomorrow day off for state employees. Um, so those damn state employees never do work. Wait a minute. Um, Are you sure? Well, yeah, because it's on my calendar tomorrow and I'm not working. Um, I've got it as Arbor Day was the 22nd, Chief. Well, the holiday. In the great state of Nebraska. I got you. (laughs) I'm sorry. We're celebrating tomorrow. We don't work tomorrow. So. Um, I'm only working half a day tomorrow. <laughs> well, you know, I, <laughs> do, do you think, are, are you surprised at all? I mean, I, I guess it is what it is. This is America and sports rule, but I, I think it's interesting how the NFL draft has become, you know, a, a three or a two night and one day affair. And what, what, what even, I guess, blows my mind a little bit more is how, the actual draft has become a spectator event. Uh, you know, I saw some pictures out at Las Vegas and, you know, it's just the, the crowd is immense. And, you know, when it was in Chicago, you know, just crazy number of people. They used to um, have it, correct me if I'm wrong, but even, uh, you know, as maybe recently as just a couple of years ago at, at a Radio City Hall in New York City. Yeah, right? in New York City. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they, they pack that place. Yeah. I mean, and and every, everybody's emblazoned. It has a game day feel because, you know, there's the, everybody's wearing the colors of their tribe, you know? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, uh, chanting and cheering and all mm-hmm. that. Kind of, you know. And, and whenever uh, Goodell goes out there, there's usually a strong chorus of booze, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. You know, it's um, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess. Americans thirst, you know, for anything NFL. So, Wait, so it, it is. So while we're talking about that, I used to be a a proud subscriber of NFL Sunday Ticket. Uh, you know, it was the only way I was guaranteed to watch my team every week. You know, they they put sure. and I, I got to realizing between watching Nebraska on Saturdays and then watching, you know, like feeling obligated at that point to watch, sit and watch the Steelers on Sunday, be it, you know, noon or three 30 or, or whatever time that might be on. It's, uh, I just wanted to do more. I, you know, it's like, uh, you know, eventually the yards got to get mowed and, and, you know, sure. may, maybe want to take my wife out to dinner or something like that. So I ended up dropping it and I'll never forget the first game you know, the first game of the first season that we didn't have Sunday ticket, we didn't even have direct TV at that point. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings because you can catch any game you want there. <laughs> because we were there for so long, you know, eating, you know, snacking and, and I was drinking beers or whatnot. Hell, we ended up spending two months worth of Sunday ticket <laughs> subscription exactly. at this. So I was like, I learned my lesson. And then we just stayed home and, you know, but uh, at least we got out of the house that one day. But you know, oddly as it sounds, going to Buffalo Wild Wings or B Dubs as we call it here. I don't know what your your regional. Yeah, uh, okay, uh, I met one of my very best friends uh, by going to watch a Steelers game at, at uh, B Dubs down in Carbondale, Illinois. Uh, it was the season opener, two thousand seven, uh, Steelers versus the Browns, and of course Steelers were victorious. But I just. Walked in by myself, not knowing anybody. Saw another young guy in a Steelers jersey, and we just hang out and 
I was in his wedding, you know, he was at my wedding. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, you know, uh, I've never, I, I shouldn't say I never, I have watched, you know, sporting events, uh, Nebraska games, maybe uh, more than anything else in bars and stuff. I've never, I don't know. Uh, you know, even when I was younger, I, I always felt like, um, I, I didn't, it's like, I missed half the game, you know, when I was in a bar watching, yeah. I just, my attention was not as sharp as, you know, and, and then I, you know, people would be talking about the game the next day and they'd reference something and, and I had no idea what they were talking about, but you know, I was, what I was going to say, and I, I don't know if this is just me, but it seems like, you know, you had mentioned watching Nebraska on Saturday and Pittsburgh on Sunday, and there are other things you got to get done or want to get done. You know, I don't, it just seems to me anymore that when I take in a, a Nebraska game on Saturday, it, it's virtually an all day affair. Um, you know, it seems like on, on television anymore. And, you know, I, I get it. You know, when you go to the games in Lincoln, you know, for a lot of people, you get up incredibly early in the morning and drive mm -hmm. in town and, you know, take in the game and, you know, maybe either uh, celebrate or drown your sorrows at local establishments, perhaps after the game for a while. And, you know, either spend the night or drive home, you know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a 20 hour affair perhaps, but boy, anymore, it just seems like even a, you know, a, a game that kicks off at 11 or a game that kicks off at whatever time, three in the afternoon, it just wipes out most of the day for me anymore. Yeah. So I know this is going to be weird, like Husker football. And I'm not, I don't say this to, you know, like uh, put down any other Nebraska athletic programs, but Nebraska football is about the only thing left that I have. That's quote unquote appointment television. You know, it's the only thing that I make sure I sit down and watch uh, when it's on. And, and, you know, it, if there's a situation where I have to be out of the house, I'm DVRing it. I'm shutting off the phone. I'm watching as soon as I get home. You know, I, I've, I've, you know, I, I know enough to, you know, separate. If I don't snooze Slack notifications on game day and I've got to DVR the game, what the hell am I, what, what am I thinking, <laughs> you know? Uh, Cause yeah. the, the, there's a whole lot of uh, reaction. We'll just put it that way uh, from the coordination crew. Um, but yeah, then, you know, it, it's getting now, you know, now with, with the kids and, and the oldest being, you know, he's six and will be six when, you know, throughout football season until Nebraska plays in a new year's bowl game when he'll be seven at that point, because he's got that late December uh, birthday, but you know, he getting him, you know, he's, he likes to say, go big red. He likes to, you know, wear red on game day and, and uh, cheer with me and we'll get the twins coached up properly. But, but uh, yeah, like I, I don't like the Steelers or love the Steelers any less. I've just, you know, like I'm more in tune with Nebraska, largely because of coronation, because of the podcast. Like I don't, I'm not on a Steelers podcast. Otherwise I probably, you know, make sure that I was, watching every game. Um, but, but coordination, uh, and, and all the friends that I have from Nebraska who, you know, are fellow Husker fans, uh, do a really good job of making sure that I stay engaged, uh, because, you know, it, it's, it, it's what it is in Nebraska, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's our identity, you know, and I'm, sure. I'm not a native son, you know, so I feel weird even saying that, but, 
but uh, you know, Saturdays are made for football and there's no and, place like Nebraska. Yeah. And, and Saturdays in Nebraska and, and for, you know, Nebraskans that have left the state, it, 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 you don't even give consideration to what you're going to wear on Saturdays. You wear red. Right. Um, you know, you, it's, it's, it, you know, geez, I remember when I was a little kid and I wasn't a Nebraska fan, you know, it just blew my mind when you'd be over. Yeah. There was that time. <laughs> same, um, same, same. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, there, you'd, you'd go over to, to Omaha on a Saturday morning or something before Nebraska gave it, it was just nuts to see all these people walking around wearing red. And, you know, as I grew and, you know, went to college and, and then that's where I was baptized into, you know, the Husker uh, religion. Uh, it, it's families on those 12 Saturdays, um, you, you wear red, you wear red, you, you go out and do your bit, whether you're going to the game or not. And um, yeah, this year it even struck me that a couple of times when I was in Lincoln on game day, and I think one of the days Nebraska was playing out of town, I ran into Hy-Vee to get some adult beverages and a few other things. And it was nuts. Yeah. How many people and, and the guy in a red suit outside of Hy-Vee, you know, playing, playing a, a keyboard and singing tunes and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's yeah, I, I, I would find it hard to believe that, you know, there are too many other places in, in this country where it's um that it's that part of the culture. It's part of the culture to the extent that it is. I, I have, I want to ask a question directly related to your experiences on game day in places that are not Memorial stadium. Like you go to Memorial stadium. I'm expecting somebody out on the concourse to go, go big red. And everybody else, like you said, going into high V to get some adult beverages. I feel like, it wouldn't be out of the realm of a possibility that somebody would do that on a game day in the high store. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, no, it would, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that were to happen. I mean, you know, I, I've not heard it in a high food store, but um, you know, I've been a number of places besides a stadium, you know, where, where somebody lets loose with the, the go big red and people respond to it. So um, yeah, it, it's the identity, you know, John, John posted a, a video today uh, about the, the Nebraska identity. And, and that certainly is part of the identity. Um, so, you know, and I guess, you know, I, I don't know where we're headed here, but um, you know, uh, we have a big day tomorrow. Um, tomorrow's the 30th, isn't it? April 30th. Yeah. Tomorrow, no, as of recording 29th. this, as of recording yeah, this, right. tomorrow's the 29th, as of the day this drops is the 30th. Right. Right. Well, on Saturday, supposedly, this O'Shawn Mathis is going to mm-hmm. make a decision uh, whether or not he is uh, going to attend Nebraska or Texas. And uh, I did see a little blip and, you know, whatever faith you want to put in uh, some of the social media out there that he's trending towards Nebraska. And uh, that would be a coup. And then I also saw that uh, on 24-7, they are, there's a crystal ball out there for Devin Drew, who is another defensive lineman from Texas Tech, who uh, they're, they're predicting he's going to end up in Nebraska. And then I just saw something about Nebraska offering a defensive back from Alabama. So uh, the defensive staff is not standing pat. Um, no. 
haven't seen uh, haven't seen any offensive linemen uh, <laughs> names mentioned, but it does sound we, like we got that big boy from Northern Colorado or Colorado State or yeah, whatever. Got him. That's right. I, you know, we got Come some of those now. guys in. But, um, but no, it, you know, and and it that they have had people on campus, you know, so you know they're 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 recruiting, 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 trying to you know get the players in that are, are going to help this team in the fall. To, to that point, uh, O'Shawn Mathis, if you're listening to this before you make your decision, I want you to go back and probably to a time before you were born, throw it in your YouTube machine and type in King of the Hill, Nebraska, Texas. And let that help guide you. Are you familiar with uh, this reference I'm making, Todd? Did you ever get into King of the Hill? I did watch King of the Hill, but I am not at all uh, familiar with what you're talking about. So there's an episode of King of the Hill where Hank takes Bobby, and I think you know some of the guys, they went to, uh, I believe they drove to Austin. I don't think they went to like, you know, neutral site like the Cotton Bowl. I, I don't know. It was a Texas Longhorns versus Nebraska Cornhusker football game. But I don't know if they had the rights to say, you know, like Longhorns and, and Huskers or things like that. So it was Texas and Nebraska, burnt orange, you know, scarlet and cream. And uh, they – Texas is down, I believe, and they, uh, they're needing help. So they call up to this, you know, private box where Hank happens to be. They think that they're talking to some Texas legend, and uh, Hank answers. It. He calls, "Well, well, uh, oh, you gotta call this play anyway." Uh, the, the call backfires. Nebraska wins. It's a glorious episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll have and, to check that out. <laughs> and then they're trying to, you know, like hide, sneak their way out of the uh, stadium, out to the vehicle among the the horde of. Texas fans who are angry and Nebraska fans who are cheering. I think they actually end up accidentally like driving North. Like they get caught in a, a Nebraska bound <laughs> caravan or something. Like. Sure. Uh, but anyway, it, it's uh, it's worth the watch uh, King of the Hill free plug for them. They're available on Hulu. If you have the Hulu service out there, folks, uh, it's, a, it's a fun, it's a fun show, which they're bringing back. Who's bringing back King of the Hill, Todd? I didn't know if you knew. I have no idea, but uh, that's that, you know, I used to watch that loyally and it's like a lot of things. I just quit watching and I'm, I'm not even, <laughs> I haven't paid attention for so long. So. Did, it, did it pass you by? It passed me by, passed me by. Well, I kind of identified with Dale in that, <laughs> in that show. Uh, and, and his alias Rusty Shackelford. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And and John identifies as Cotton, Hank's dad, uh, who had both of his uh, shins blown off in, I believe, Korea or Vietnam. Right, uh, right, right. So who's just yep. angry at the world. Um, there you go. So, well, while we're here, we should probably spend a few minutes talking about some Nebraska athletics. And I figure let's start with that winning team on the diamond. I think you know who I'm talking about, Todd. Yep, you're talking about the softball team. I am. My gosh, okay. they are unstoppable. Yeah, they they had a little rough run up at Wisconsin. Uh, they ended up dropping two or three up there. And um, Northwestern has overtaken them at the top of the conference. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, they're, they're still sitting really solid. And this weekend, uh, they're on the road, they go to Ohio state. Um, they're still hitting the heck out of the ball. And, um, you know, I know that, uh, Oh, the first game they lost against Wisconsin, it was on a walk-off, uh, one run loss. And then I think they ended up losing the second game of a doubleheader last Saturday, five to two, something like that. And, um, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's uh, typically been a pretty good team over the years. So, you know, you play on foreign soil, so to speak, and it, it makes it a little bit tougher. But they will play at Ohio State this weekend. It'd be nice for them to win that series. And then they'll come back to Lincoln the following weekend for the final home series of the year. Um, and um, that, 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 that's important for seeding purposes in the, in the tournament. So, uh, Rhonda Ravel's girls are playing tough. And, um, you know, like I said, there'll be one more chance for Nebraska fans to watch them at home in Bowling Stadium in just a couple of weekends. So. Should be, you know, uh, we, we hope it's, uh, you know, just a knockout into their season in the best ways. Um, yeah. And, and hope they can reverse the, the course. Uh, you can tell I, I, I apologize to, the ladies for I misspoke and said they're on a tear and unbeknownst to me, they lost two out of three. Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, um, but the baseball team did yeah. something they don't typically do. Yeah. They won two in a row. Yeah. Um, what and- is a uh, um, Harry Doyle calls? <laughs> well, don't look now, but uh, we're putting, starting to put together a winning streak. <laughs> well, and not only not only two wins in a row, two dominating wins in a row. Uh, you know this offense that you know everybody wondered. You know we saw glimpses of offense. You know a couple of times earlier in the season, but holy moly! You know that was definitely dormant uh, against Rutgers, and then um, you know <laughs> against Brigham Young, they lost three out of four. Um, you know, and then out at Indiana um, on those first two games, in the first two games against Indiana, I think on Saturday they had 16 strikeouts. Um, you know, it's just, it was just horrible. Yeah. And then, then Indiana and everybody knew that uh, Indiana doesn't have any pitching uh, except apparently Nebraska hitters who were intimidated on Friday and Saturday. Uh but then, uh, then obviously it was obvious they had no pitching on Sunday, and Nebraska beat the ball all around the ballpark and and just trashed them, um, the Hoosiers. And and so I guess they salvaged a win on the road. Well, then, you know, they come back to the the friendly confines of Haymarket Park, uh, take on K State on Tuesday and um, Omaha on on uh, wednesday Mm -hmm. and my goodness gracious i mean they just beat that ball all over the ballpark max anderson shoot i think in those last three games the sunday game tuesday wednesday game god max anderson was probably like you know 12 or 13 for 15 or something just crazy i mean multiple home runs he finally has found his stroke um you know, it's Cam Chick is getting a little bit more consistent, you know, in the leadoff spot. Bryce Matthews is, has uh, had some long balls recently, too. 
Iowa comes to town tomorrow. Well, today, I mean, we're dropping this Friday morning. Iowa's going to be in town. They've moved the start of the Friday game up to 335 with, uh, due to the potential of bad weather Friday night. But Iowa's going to be in town for three. And Iowa's sitting up there towards the top of the conference. Uh, they took two out of three against Rutgers out in New Jersey. Um, they've, they've got veteran pitching. They've got a veteran team, you know, which – like I made comment on an earlier podcast, those teams in the Big Ten this year that are more top heavy in terms of mm-hmm. upperclassmen, they're the ones that are winning ball games this right, year. Right. And uh, you know, Iowa finds himself. Now, you know, I did take great glee earlier in the year, and, and we will not let the Iowa Hawkeyes forget. In fact, I have a plan. Uh, we will not let them forget that they did in fact get beat by a division three baseball team, Loris College, early in the season. And uh, I will wear my Loris College baseball cap <laughs> to the game, to the game in Lincoln tomorrow or today um, on Friday. I will wear my Loris College baseball cap and I will hope to uh, at least make myself present around um, Iowa Hawkeye fans. God bless you. And it's important to note uh, with the time change, the game was going to be telecast on the Big Ten Network. It will now be on BTN Plus. So if you were uh, uh, expecting that on on good old BTN, sorry, there's some rerun of some, you know, old, you know, 1980 something, the game that is going to trump some 2022 baseball. Well, um, you know, I hope the weather's decent. I mean, obviously they're expecting storms tomorrow night, so that'll put everybody on edge a little bit. But um, it would be nice if we have a nice sunny weekend. And, and uh, what will make it better is if those uh, Cornhusker bats stay hot. Get the a dub, boys. Those would be wonderful. A couple of those would be wonderful, Greg. Uh, let's shift gears here. Uh, talk a little base. Oh, I'm sorry. We've been talking baseball. Uh, we're not going to talk basketball, although it's a funny movie. I think you uh, should watch it. Let's talk some basketball as the other McGowan's uh, is now an early applicant tray uh, for the 2022 NBA draft. Um, I don't think this is going to really surprise anybody. However, I, I, I'd have to look and see as I'm, my computer decides to freeze at the most optimum time. Um, I guess, uh, he has himself a, an agent says he's not returning to Lincoln next season, but you know, there's always that, I mean, there's, here, here's the thing, the NBA, this is from N- the NBA communications, Twitter, NBA today announced that 283 players, 247 being from colleges and 36 international players have filed as early entry candidates for the NBA draft. I don't, I didn't realize there were 283 players in the NBA currently. <laughs> well, there are, I hate to say that. There aren't going to be 280 some odd players drafted. What they no. have two rounds and are there 32 teams in the NBA? 30, yeah, 30. I mean, that's fair. Okay, so you know you got 60, 64 guys that are going to get drafted. And, okay, so those are the early entrants. There are also those players that aren't early. Right, you know? right, yeah. Um, the the who, timely ones. Exactly. And, uh, you know, their eligibility is expired. 
I, the, the, you know, I don't pay close enough attention and, and you guys certainly, you know, get it more than I do, but I thought that um, with basketball, they could, you know, what Trey McGowan's has done, you know, they can file for early entry or whatever the hell it right. is and, you know, get their name out there and then they could get evaluated and change their mind. Exactly. And withdraw yeah. and still be eligible. But so more, more, more to that. I didn't mean to uh, cut you off, Todd, but uh, Kevin Knight has on coronation.com say he says the older McGowan's brothers not officially announced his entry or whether he intends to maintain NCAA eligibility or not but he's officially an early applicant for the 2022 okay. NBA draft. 44 so, games for the Huskers with 43 starts. Uh, missed a number of them this past season with a broken foot. Yeah. So theoretically, theoretically, according to Kevin, he could return to Nebraska if he it's possible he could return. And here's the thing. I, I, I don't – I guess maybe I don't understand – basketball but uh you know the statistically he had his best game as a junior before you know he he had any injuries 10.7 points 4.1 rebounds 1.6 steals 1.5 assists per game uh averaged about 39 percent uh from the stripe and 33 percent from uh downtown i don't like i'm not shitting on the guy like I, i'd like him to come back to lincoln and i know i hope this you know but like none of those statistics are overly impressive to me you know i, I don't know you know like if if i saw you know so and so running back average 10.7 yards per carry okay you know i can work with that but 10.7 points per game doesn't seem like a ton well the nba has role players and mm -hmm. um, but you know in anything i've paid any attention to uh, that's been written or discussed by people that know far more than i do when they've talked about nebraska basketball players and uh nba prospects uh, the older McCown, his name's never been in the conversation. Right. And um, that being said, I, I've, <laughs> I've thought of any, any uh, athletes out there that tend to have uh, inflated opinions of their skills, of their um, inflated opinions of uh, how good they are. Uh, I've, I've kind of thought basketball players might be uh, – that group of individuals. Um, it, it seems like uh, uh, all I need is a chance. All I need is a chance, you know? Um, so I don't know, whatever. But, uh, you know, I know that Hoiberg has uh, got a couple of uh, transfers through the portal coming in. And uh, I don't know, there's, I've read something about another Nebraska native who uh, has his eyes potentially on, on coming back to Nebraska. Um, can't think of who that is, but, um, you know, it, from a basketball perspective, uh, you know, similar to, uh, football, I, I think that those coaching staffs recognize, um, the pressure that they're under mm -hmm. to, uh, get things turned around to succeed. And they're, they're not holding back. They're, they're trying to, 
to make the improvements that they need to. One other bit of news here. Uh, let's let's keep it indoors. Uh, the volleyball program learned this week that uh, one of our our one of the bigger contributors and and certainly one that we uh, Nebraska fans were hoping to see more of uh, in the coming years is entering the transfer portal. And I'm almost certain, Todd, I'm not going to get this name right. Uh, Keo Nile Akana. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's not too, too bad. You got the last name. I think you nailed that Akana. Uh, uh, and now I'm not going to be able Keanu Lay. Uh, Thank you. Okan, I think. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I think for maybe, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to sound like I know what I'm talking about here. Uh, I think that for the casual volleyball fan or for the Nebraska fan that cheers the volleyball team on, um, I think people might be a little bit surprised by that. Um, you know, she came in with a lot of accolades, you know, she was kind of a, uh, a late commit, um, you know, it seemed like the class that she came in on was filled. And then all of a sudden, uh, Cook got her to, to come to Nebraska. Um, I, I, you know, th- there's speculation about why she's leaving, a little bit of speculation. But I think the reality is that um, she's not happy with the amount of playing time that she has. And I think that uh, she's probably looking at what the situation is going to be next year. And that's not probably going to improve a whole lot. Um, you have everybody. Uh, I think they have everybody who played in that back row who, you know, the defensive specialists, mm-hmm. you know, those type of players, I believe they're all coming back and then throw Nicklin Hamus into that mix because they have said, if uh, Kennedy or, um, you know, can handle the, the setting, uh, they fully intend to make her the setter and Nicklin Hamus playing, you know, back row. Right. And so, I, I, you know, I, I think what she's looking for is probably an opportunity uh, to, to play, you know, consistently, um, you know, on, a, on another team and, um, you know, Maybe back home. Maybe she's, you know, Hawaii is where, you know, Nebraska is a long way from Hawaii. It's true. And, uh, it's at least a couple of days drive. <laughs> yeah. At least a couple of days drive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, wherever she uh, ends up, she's going to be a, a key contributor. Uh, led the Huskers in aces and was third yeah. in digs. Um, but you're right. You know, it, it's, it's a numbers game, you know, and there's, there's so many. It, that's, I, I say this with, yeah, I mean, when you're as good as Nebraska is on, on on the volleyball court, you have a lot of top talent that wants to come play. And and Akana was top talent. I'm not taking anything away from her. It's oh, it's just a number of you're right. There's probably a, a spot that she you know envisions herself being. And and hey, you know, we say the same thing about anybody uh, on the basketball court or the football field or wherever. It's you got to do what's best for you. We wish you the best. Well, you know, she's she's in a situation where I think that she'll be a strong contributor to whatever team she ends up with. I just hope it doesn't end up that, you know, with Penn the State or something, yeah. Omaha, 
in the final four in Omaha next year that Nebraska, you know, she steps onto the court against Nebraska in the finals and is serving as good as a server as she right. is. Oh my gosh. You yeah. Know, I, I hope that doesn't happen, but um, you know, and, and, you know, she's not the first one. I, you know, when in that uh, spring game that they played out in Grand Island last week against Kansas, Kansas top hitter uh, was this, I think her last name's pronounced Zabo. She was Anna, Anna, Krenna or something, Zabo, she was on Nebraska's team and, you know, she saw the writing on the wall and she ended up, you know, going down to Kansas. And it was kind of, you know, I watched the the game on public television and um, it was really cool at the end of the game, how the, you know, her former teammates from Nebraska, they all gathered around her. There were a lot of hugs. There was conversation, you know, coach, coach Cook gave her a good hug and had some, you know, some words for her too, you know, and, uh, it's the same way with, um, oh shoot, there was a player they played last year, a former Nebraska player that they bumped into the tournaments. And, yep. uh, you know, they, I, I think, I think in a program that strong, you know, I, um, when, when some of those players kind of see the writing on the wall while they're disappointed and they may leave disappointed, it's like, there aren't really permanent hard feelings. I mean, I think that, they respect Coach Cook. I think that they develop such strong relationships and, and they have such good chemistry on the teams. It's just, you know, it's kind of like uh, the middle child who, uh, you know, kind of takes a, a step away from the family for a while. So, uh, Is it too soon in his life to ask if, like, the oldest child can take a step away from the family for a little while? Um. Oldest children. Um, I mean, is it is it too soon to say that about my six year old? Because I I could use a break sometimes. Sometimes you got to kick the oldest ones out. Um, <laughs> six is definitely too early to be kicking them out. I, I've I've been told. Six is a look. Now you, you might start the plan. Uh, yeah. You might start developing <laughs> the plan. You know the the circumstances and conditions. Um, you know so that you can articulate those so that it's not a shock to him. Um, you know when he. Turns whatever age you decide that uh, and that's not, uh, it comes as no surprise. <laughs> work, work on some of that uh, um, uh, self-reliance skills, you know, Absolutely. he's going to have to. <laughs> All right. One other thing I want to talk about here, Todd, and then I don't want to take up any more of your time. Uh, CNTraveler.com. Uh, it was linked in Nate's Flakes, I believe, on uh, uh, Thursday um, or today when we we're recording this. It is the uh, list of the most beautiful place in every U.S. state. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't look through the list. They showed a picture of Chimney Rock. Is that, is that what they're saying in in Nebraska? Or that's not what they're saying. But you can see oh. it from there. Scotts Bluff. Scotts Bluff no. National Monument. This travel site claims is the most beautiful place. In the state of Nebraska, rising some 800 feet above the North Platte River, Scott's Bluff once served as a beacon for immigrants traveling the Oregon Trail. The towering landmark and surrounding 3,000 acres now make up the Scott's Bluff National Monument, a protected area of vast plains, prairie dogs, and actual covered wagons. You know, Greg, I uh, within the last, uh, let me see, I was out there in November. Mm-hmm. I was out there in October. Having, well, having seen both of them for the first time, uh, I think I'd put Chimney Rock up there, maybe 
above Scott's Bluff National Monument is well, the most beautiful spot. But uh, that's picking nits, maybe. I don't know how to tell you this, but you and Caitlin Morton of cntraveler.com are going to be at odds on that one. Yeah, well, it won't be the first. What, what was her name, Caitlin? Caitlin Morgan. Caitlin, she won't be the first Caitlin I've been at odds with. So. <laughs> uh anyway check out that link if, you, if you're curious uh um you know what the most beautiful place in other states may be i'm very curious briefly about illinois starved well, rock state park i'm gonna have to disagree with you just gonna flat out disagree with you 90 starved minutes rock state where is starved rock state park? i'm glad you asked uh just 90 minutes southwest of chicago Starved Rock State Park is a topographical standout in an otherwise flat state. Come to the southern portion. Come to oh, mm, mm. this 2,630-acre uh, park is known for its deep canyons, lush greenery, and protected wildlife, as well as impressive waterfalls. More intrepid adventurers can visit in the winter to go ice climbing up the 80-foot St. Louis Canyon Falls. I'm going to have to disagree. There, there is a, a spot, Todd, there is a spot in Southern Illinois uh, called the Garden of the Gods. And I know, look, you, you know, look, big travelers. I know there's a Garden of the Gods in Colorado as well. But this one is in Illinois. And it's it's tremendous. It's beautiful. I've, I've, I've done some hiking up there, Todd, even me with my bad knees and and uh, oh. uh, out of shapeness, uh, it's it's a delight to go to the Garden of the Gods in Illinois, maybe Colorado too. I think I've been there, but Illinois, because there are more trees in Illinois than in the there Garden of the Gods. In uh, anyway, Todd, I think that's probably enough for this week. Yeah, um, we might need to talk travel in a later show, so we better not go, you know, too deep into this. <laughs> That's right. Coming up next week, whatever we have to talk about sports-wise and also Todd's favorite vacation so <laughs> that, that he can remember, <laughs> you know, from all the alcohol. <laughs> so uh, stick yeah. around for that. Remember that uh, John has been dead, but he's never been to Europe and he's out there to help you manage your damage. A couple of books by John Johnston available now on Amazon.com. Todd, do you have any books that you want to plug? Uh, not at this time. Okay. Maybe maybe possibly one in the works, but uh, oh. we'll see if that happens. The only book that I want to plug is the Holy Bible. Go get it, folks, and read it. That's our show. <laughs> You, you you folks who are just listening to the podcast, you're missing some golden reactions from Todd. So uh, for myself. Certainly not anti-Bible. Just, just didn't expect it. I haven't heard that kind of uh, excitement <laughs> surrounding. Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, uh, for For. As always, Todd Wolverton, I'm Greg Mahochko, reminding you this week and every week, the five heart is all the heart you need. Todd? Go Big Red. Amen. <laughs>